Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Tales from the Kentucky Room. So many of us in the early stages of the pandemic shutdown managed to binge watch many TV shows like The Queen's Gambit, based on Walter Tevis's book by the same name. At least I did. As the story is based in Lexington, Kentucky, and in the very first episode, the name New Circle Road was mentioned. I quickly recognized that the setting and the timeline did not coincide with reality. The event that took place in the TV show would have happened when New Circle Road was still called the Northern Beltline. Being a librarian and a local history nerd, I was curious about the history of other major streets and thoroughfares around here. For example, like Nicholsville Road, Main Street, Lime Street, etc. So of course, I turned to my colleague Wayne Johnson for that information. And he is here to share with us his research on the subject. All right. Welcome, Wayne. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. So today you are going to be talking about um, the history of transportation and different roads around Lexington and how some of the major roads came about. Thanks. Yeah, today I'll talk about, during my lifetime, some of the bigger road projects that happened in Lexington. Now, in terms of travel and streets and roads, we've come a long way since the founding of Lexington in 1775. And even before that, in the state of Kentucky, when Dr. Thomas Walker blazed a trail through the Cumberland Gap in 1750, and Daniel Boone later on went through the Wilderness Road, blazed a path there. Yeah, Daniel Boone had to wrestle bears in the wilderness, but he never had to go through rush hour traffic on Nicholsville Road. Oh, no. no I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think Kentucky would have been what it is today if he had to do that. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know which, which is tougher. Okay, back in those days, the pioneers did not have the travel conveniences that we take for granted today. Back then, people had to travel by foot through cane breaks, making trails as they went, depending on buffalo herds creating trails and so forth. Of course, you had horse travel, wagon trains, buggies, stagecoaches over dusty roads, and wagon trains and railroads blazing a path out to the west. And then uh, here in Lexington, later on, you had the streetcars and then a bus transit system. I think the streetcars stopped in uh, 1938. And then we have, of course, the what is now known as Lextran Bus Service. But the bus transit system took over for the streetcars. But anyway, improvements in our modes of transportation and the streets and roads infrastructure here in Lexington has been remarkable from the early days. You know, traffic impacts everyone, and Lexington, like all growing cities, have had to face the challenges of dealing with traffic problems. And in this podcast, I'll be talking about some of the bigger projects that impacted Lexington Lexington streets and roads since about 1950. Okay. We can start with the construction of New Circle Road. It started in 1949, and you can circle the date, pun intended, of August 18, 1949, as the start of the construction of the New Circle Road. Now, when it was begun, it was known as the Beltline, and some people still refer to it as the Beltline even today. Yeah, because that's time. what they remember. Yes, yeah. some old-time Lexingtonians. Yeah. 
And where was it? Where where, where did the construction start? Around Georgetown Road. So the I north think, end of uh, town. Yeah, the north end of town, yeah. And it loops, of course, everybody who lives in Lexington knows Circle, New Circle Road loops around Lexington. It was it's 19.3 miles around, but it may surprise people that didn't live through the construction era that it wasn't built over the course of, of a few months or even a couple years. It actually took all of 20 years to complete as it was wow. built in sections during those two decades. According to newspaper reports, the total cost of the project at the time of its completion in 1969, when it was, like I've mentioned, a 19.3-mile loop around Lexington, four-lane highway, the cost was $13,958,170.82. I don't know where the 82 cents came from. but <laughs> That's very precise. Yes. And um, the first contract was let, I guess, signed in July mm-hmm. of 1949. And like I mentioned, in August of 49, the construction began. During the eight intervening years, no contracts were let after 1949. And in the last two years of construction, 1967 through 69, seven contracts were awarded to complete the project. Now, when the dedication ceremony occurred, it dedicated the last unopened section of the road. And I think that was from Richmond Road to Harrisburg Road. Okay. And I'm getting this from newspaper articles. I don't. I wasn't driving at the time, even though I was around. So I, don't, I don't really remember. But uh, Governor Nunn, Louis Nunn, was there at the dedication ceremony on Monday, November twenty fourth, nineteen sixty nine, and he noted that the twenty years that was spent building the Beltline, it was inexcusable by any standards, yeah. according to him. And it, you know, it was twenty years is. Uh, pretty long time and you have to remember this is 1969 and in comparison you have to remember only four months earlier on july 20th 1969 apollo 11 landed on the moon after less than a decade with the space program so we we're able to land man on the moon <laughs> yeah but not finish and, but not finish new circle road <laughs> in that time span so yes it took longer to build new circle road than to go to the moon. Well, I mean, was it because of the funding? Is that why it took so long? I, I think that was yeah. part of it and okay. the funding. And maybe the, the city planners didn't have a complete plan on how they wanted to, to build it. But it did take 20 years. But Governor Nunn did note in the ceremony, and I think the ceremony was held at the Richmond Road, uh, uh, New Circle Road Exchange. I think that's where the ceremony was held. But he did note in the ceremony that New Circle Road was both a milestone, 19.3 miles worth, and was a small stepping stone toward the greatness that has always been Lexington's destiny. The last section that was open ran from Richmond Road to Harrodsburg Road. Now, why was it built? Well, as the governor noted, traffic and transportation problems, even back then, they're the most agonizing and persistent ailments which city and county officials have to contend with. The significance of this, the opening of New Circle Road cannot be underestimated to the many thousands of Lexingtonians who have had to battle heavy traffic on their way to work 
back in the day. Now, you have to remember in the mid-1950s, the Industrial Revolution had just begun in Lexington. Uh, IBM came in 1956, followed uh, shortly after by Dixie Cup and Square D and other manufacturing companies. And most of them were on the north end of town where, where the New Circle Road had just started construction. And, you know, Lexington was no longer that small college town. You know, we had UK and we had Transylvania. It was no longer that small town it once was. And to take that giant leap from a small college town and transforming to a modern city, uh, it, it needed a better road infrastructure. And that was one of the goals of the New Circle Road was to make it a route where people could go around and keep traffic away from downtown unless you actually wanted to go downtown. And people needed better access, I believe, to yes. different areas yeah. of town. Yeah, and it was basically to keep the Lexington City streets free for just local traffic. Yeah. Now, the circle, the new Circle Road was to be free of traffic hazards with no commercial structures feeding traffic onto the bypass uh, when it was originally planned and the construction started. The exception was going to be the stretch from Georgetown to Leestown Road, which turned into an area with businesses leading into New Circle Road. And as we all know now, the whole north and east end of New Circle Road part of the east end of New Circle Road is filled with businesses, you know, restaurants, car lots, etc. I don't think that was the original intent, but I guess with business opportunities, commercial ventures and so forth. That, it's inevitable, really. Yeah, I mean, exceptions yeah. are made. Well, that's the one stretch that slows down. Yeah. You, you can go past Georgetown Road and just not run into any major traffic, but once you get into that area with the businesses, it, it, uh, it's a little All the bit traffic weird. lights and such, yeah. yeah. And in the ben beginning, the Beltline was a two-lane highway from, from Georgetown to Richmond Road around the northern half. And uh, under Governor Chandler, who served his second term as governor from 1955 to 1959, most of the circle that had been constructed four-laned. So, and by the, time, by the time it was completed in 1969... It could be said New Circle Road was outdated to meet the ever-growing traffic needs of Lexington. I guess like major, like most major road projects, eventually they become obsolete or outdated. But outdated as it was, it did help ease the traffic flow in, in Lexington. I personally don't like to drive New Circle Road unless I'm in a hurry to get somewhere. Uh, my wife is always after me why don't you get on new circle road because i always <laughs> go through town and i I'm, I'm from lexington and i've driven many a mile on new circle road and i prefer not to drive new circle road yeah well i'm considered a newbie i've been here since 86 <laughs> to lexington i don't like driving yeah, on yeah. new circle so if i can if yeah. i'm not in a hurry to go anywhere i'll just go through downtown or yeah the side streets and you know recently they added the i think it's from maybe old Frankfurt Pike over to Versailles Road. Don't quote me on that, but they increased the lanes to, I yeah, think, three lanes. Three lanes, yeah. And I've driven that section before, and it feels like you're on the interstate. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to drive the interstate either, <laughs> unless I'm going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I'll drive the interstate, but I only drive it when I have to. Yeah. And some of the business highlights, you know, we mentioned the building of businesses on New Circle Road, especially on the north end. Some of the business highlights when it was being built and when it 
eventually was completed. A lot of people don't know the first McDonald's actually opened up on New Circle Road in 19, I think it was 1961. And that was the McDonald's near Eastland Parkway. Oh, wow. And, And then, of course, you had to drive in movies, movie theaters. You had the family drive in in 1954. And you had to circle 25 uh, drive-in that opened in 1956. And a lot of, uh, some of the people at the time didn't like these drive-in movie theaters on New Circle Road because of the uh, type of entertainment that they provided. (laughs) And in fact, uh, one of the newspaper articles mentioned it's, they were saying, close those immoral passion pits. (laughs) Uh, But... I can speak from experience in my younger days. You know, going to a drive-in, going to a movie theater was always a treat, but going to a drive-in was like a special treat. And we went to the family drive-in in the Circle 25, and it was always a treat to, to go there. Uh, the family drive-in was on one side of New Circle Road, just past Winchester Road, and then the Circle 25 was right across the street. So the drive-ins were a great entertainment back in the day um, and then of course you can't fail to mention the parquet restaurant which yeah. the last time i checked is, is still there on it's the corner of new, new circle yeah. road mm-hmm. and liberty road i've spent many a dollar there at parquet <laughs> you know i've only of all the times i've gone to parquet over the years i've, I've only been i've only eaten inside one time wow you know, I yeah, always, just drive up and you'll order it at the the, old car off. Yeah. You know, the closest, uh, you know, we all know about Happy Days television show. Closest thing we have to Arnold's <laughs> is the Parquet yeah. restaurant. So that was a go-to place uh, back in the day and still is. And then, of course, you had the Continental Inn, which is, has since been torn down. That oh, yeah. came into Lexington, I think, 1968. They're on the corner of... And FYI, my wedding reception was there. Oh, was it? <laughs> yes, <Okay>. it was. <laughs> well, that's, that's neat. <laughs> Before they tore it down. <laughs> Before they yep. tore it down. Well, <laughs> Way my, back when. <laughs> my wedding reception venue is still standing. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we had it in the church. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, Continental Inn was on the corner of, I think, Eastland Parkway. Yeah, New Circle Road. Yep. And then, of course, the Eastland Bowling Lanes, which I think opened in 1959. That was a go-to place for those of us who like to bowl. I didn't live too far away from that area of New Circle Road. So places like the drive-ins, you know, we, we could actually, in my teenage years, we could actually go up and Mm-hmm. go underneath the fence and oh, watch wow. the movies there without paying. So that was always. <laughs> oh, was, Wayne. Yeah, that was always a treat. And uh, and then, of course, you, there was a place called Burger Shake Burgers that sold uh, hamburgers for hamburgers. and sh- uh, It's called Burger Shakes. I'm sorry. And the burgers were sold for 19 cents and fries were 14 cents. Shakes were 19 cents and Coke's. 10 cents. And, and looking at these prices that they have, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, we mentioned those 82 cents that mm-hmm. was on the contract. <laughs> kind of makes you wonder if a construction worker was having lunch and billed the, to the state contract <laughs> yeah, his lunch. His burgers and shakes. Yeah, his burger and shakes. <laughs> makes sense. Okay. And, you know, recently, and, and I've kind of wondered about this because when I was growing up, we never, I, at least I don't remember reading about it. And I, I'm somebody... From 1964 to the pandemic hitting Lexington, I read the newspaper every day. And I think I would have remembered if any of these 
types of events had happened. But, you know, recently we've had some people driving the wrong way on New Circle Road and, true, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and crashing and fatalities were the result. And I'm I'm wondering, you know, what's going on with that? Yeah. Uh, that's tragic to have to worry about people coming the wrong way. Yeah. And we've had the same uh situation with Interstate 75 around Athens Boonesboro, people going the wrong way, kind of makes you wonder what's what's going on with that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if it's just driver inattention or who knows, maybe GPS is sending them up a certain (laughs) ramp, you know, the wrong way and they're just not noticing. I don't know. It's, it's really tragic and it's something you have to watch out for. But anyway, New Circle Road, Flawed as it is, has done wonders for the traffic flow in Lexington. Now, the the next project we're going to go to is the Main Street going one way. And this year, 2021, marks the 50th anniversary. And this this is where we got the idea for the podcast is this Main Street one way anniversary. Wow, it's been 50 years. 50 years. And on June 24th, 1971, Main Street was converted to one-way headed west, and the new Vine Street, as opposed to the old Vine Street, which was built during the urban renewal time period, was converted one-way heading east. And as the Lexington Leader newspaper reported on their front page headline of the day of the changeover, it said, Vine Street project becomes a reality, Main one-way now. And it was all part of Lexington's urban renewal project, which changed downtown Lexington. You know, we had federal grant money along with city money, which made it, you know, all these changes possible. And, of course, we did that earlier podcast on the removal of the downtown railroad tracks, which opened things up for the urban renewal project. And as a newspaper article reported at the time, the railroad track removal facilitated the improvement in Vine Street, if the tracks were still there, you wouldn't. There wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah there wouldn't. The new vine wouldn't have been built. And Mayor Fugazi, who was a mayor at the time, once termed the tracks as uh, the city's Chinese wall. There was like sixteen thousand five feet of railroad track in downtown Lexington in that area, and it separated the downtown area from the near South Side and uh, UK, and trains. Had to go through Lexington. I think there was like 11 street crossings in the heart of the city. And it created traffic jams in the downtown area. And old-time Lexingtonians, I I vaguely remember sitting in a car in downtown Lexington, you know, waiting for a train. It's not a vivid memory, but I, in the back of my mind, I I remember waiting for those trains to go past. But uh, most of the old-time Lexingtonians of driving age back in those days, remember those traffic jams. And that was one of the main reasons to to get them out of downtown. And, you know, the railroads, which started in 1831, you know, brought growth to Lexington. But by the 50s, Fugazi and other officials saw the need to get the tracks out of the downtown for future growth possibilities. They, it served its purpose, I guess. Yes. It's no longer, no and, longer needed. Yeah, and they felt for downtown to be revitalized they had to get the tracks out and in addition to the track removal and like i said we did the podcast earlier and if people are interested in that that aspect you can go back in our uh, podcast archives and listen to it but in addition to the track removal old warehouses buildings homes etc were torn down to facilitate the urban renewal 
And, of course, the Civic Center and Rupp Arena was built. And during the present day, the construction is ongoing for the Town Branch Commons. I'm excited to see how that yeah, turns out. Yeah. And, and all this started with the urban renewal project. And the idea on, and goal was to bring life back to downtown Lexington. And this conversion of Maine from two-way to one-way just had a big impact on downtown traffic. And Main Street was one way west from Midland Avenue to Spring Street, which was around the area where Rupp Arena is. And then Vine Street was one way east from Spring Street to Midland. And speaking of Vine Street, which I travel every day coming into work, I had to chuckle a little bit when I read this quote from the 1971 newspaper. One of the city officials said this this new street, referring to the new Vine Street, will allow traffic to move downtown as well as any downtown traffic in America. Wow. <laughs> and, and I travel that road every day. And it does the best. It, it works the best it can. But uh, Not sure if it's the best. <laughs> yeah. It, it's going to be exciting to see when everything's completed with the downtown branch project. And it's going to be uh, probably more pedestrian friendly. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the thought process but behind this change even back in 1971 was to make downtown more friendly to business i mean that's always the goal is to okay what's best for business and you have to remember that this was back in the late 60s early 70s this was a time of urban sprawl here in lexington you had turflin mall opening up in 1967 Fayette Mall opened up in 1972, I believe. And the suburb subdivisions like Gainesway, Lansdowne, the Eastland area, etc., were springing up. And Lexitonians had easier access to these to these new shopping options where once downtown was bustling with shoppers, they had all these other options and they didn't even have to come downtown. And growing up here in Lexington in the early 60s, you know, I can attest to the fact downtown was the place to go for shopping and entertainment. Uh, the theaters like Strand, the Ben Ally, and the Kentucky. And, of course, shopping. You had stores like Ben Snyder's and Woolworth's. And, there, you know, there's been some talk in the past few years of going back to uh, two-way traffic on Main Street. Some city officials at the time, I guess Monday morning quarterbacking, saw the conversion to one-way as a flawed policy. But many cities are going back to the two-way model because studies have shown that motorists drive slower on two-way streets and they're more user-friendly for drivers. If it helps commercial development, you know, you may see a change in the future. I know there's talk about it, but I think at this point, it, that's all it is. I'm so used to the one-way traffic on Main. Ever since I've driven, I've driven Main Street yeah. uh, one way. So uh, I do have an interesting side comment. When I took my driver's test, the way I go home every day is where I started my driver's test back in 1975 and i'll never forget <laughs> this and back in the day you you were on vine street and the state trooper would come out to your car and he'd have you drive up take a left off vine onto limestone and then he had you take a left onto main street which is the route i go home every day to limestone <laughs> and then left onto main street and he as soon as i got on limestone he says i want you to take a left up here on Main Street. I'm confident. Okay. I made the mistake of taking the left from the lane that went straight. Oh, wow. And he, 
instead of left-hand lane. <laughs> and so I take take a left, and I thought I did everything perfect. And he said, son, do you know that you just took a left from a lane that's – The center lane. <laughs> that you're supposed to go straight? And I said, oh, I'm sorry. And then I started whistling, trying to cool myself down. And <laughs> and he told me, okay, go up here to upper, take another left. And I thought he was going to let me keep the test going, continue the test. And he took me right back <laughs> – to the, uh, to the station. Sta- yeah, to the station. It said, come back next week. So I, f- I failed it the first time. I did pass it the second time. Did not make my- that mistake. And every every so often when I'm driving home and taking that left from Limestone on the main, I just think about that day. And I haven't made that mistake since. Now, the next project I'm going to talk about and you're probably familiar with this, Miriam, is the uh, Nicholsville Road reversible lanes. Oh, boy. Uh, I come in to work every day on Nicholsville Road. Yeah, so. see, that's the bane of my existence right there. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, the reversible lanes on Nicholsville Road began on March 5th, 1979. Now, in the 1977 mayoral election, the candidate for mayor, who eventually became mayor, Jim Amato, promised to improve the traffic road woes of the city, and he had Nicholsville Road in mind first and foremost. He promised to improve Nicholsville Road traffic by creating reversible lanes, sending three of the four lanes into the city during the morning rush hours, and then reversing them out of town during the late afternoon rush hours. His opponents thought that this was rather simplistic and wouldn't work, but Amato thought different, and after he's elected on his first day in office, he told the city planners and traffic engineers to start work. And some of them balked, saying, this can't be done. But uh, Amato was persistent that it could be done, and as he himself was quoted in the newspaper, I was hell-bent on doing it. Now, after the March 5th 1979 start of the reversible lanes, things went pretty smoothly, and even the critics had to admit that it worked. And as, as Mayor Amato pointed out, no city money was used for the project. Not a penny of urban county government money went into the project. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't cost money to switch lights. To switch well, you had light. to put the lights. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It, it was all. It, and you got to remember, this is a politician. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was all state and federal money that yeah. was used. And in my in my mind, and I think most people's mind, for those of us who remember the old traffic on Nicholsville Road. The reversible lanes has worked pretty well, all things considered. But with everything else, adjustments were made along the way. In July 1997, the yellow X, which marked the spot where motorists could turn, was replaced with white arrows for the first time, clearly marking the turn lanes. Now, I got to admit, when I come into work on Nicholsville Road, the one thing that I I blare my horn at is if somebody's trying to take a left from a lane that's supposed to go straight because yeah. I think that's so dangerous. It is. So, and they block traffic and they can get rear-ended and all that. And they're they're just not paying attention to the signals. Yeah. And I'll get into the other lane. I'll just go by them and I'll just blare my <laughs> horn. And, and, and I don't, you know, I just think to myself, I'm actually doing them a favor. Yeah. Say, hey, you're doing something pretty dangerous yeah. here. But that's a, really the only time I ever honk my horn and you know things run pretty smoothly with the reversible lanes of course you always have the traffic tie up if folks are trying to get on to make a turn on to left turn on the new circle road but the reversible lanes i think has proven mayor amato correct and Mm -hmm. his well it's lasted this long so yeah obviously it does work 42 years and uh, you know i came in today 
You know, I don't ever have a problem coming into New Circle Road in the morning, afternoons. Once you get past the part where the reversible lanes revert back, back to the to normal, normal. Yeah. that's when you run into traffic. That's you true, know, yeah. Past, Closer to past campus. New, and, yeah, yeah. Past new, and, and then up past New Circle Road yeah. toward Fayette Mall and so forth. But I would consider the Nicholasville Road reversible lane a success, at least for my driving. And that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I mean, there is current talk about the whole Nicholsville Road project as well. I believe the current urban county government is, is trying to come up with solutions for the traffic in that area. They've met a f- several times over the summer, earlier in the spring and the summer. So, You know, city officials, not only here in Lexington, but in any big city, traffic is, is like always on their mind, traffic yeah. patterns and changes and so forth, because it's, it's the one thing that affects everybody. And you know, you have all these vehicles on the, on the road, and and let's let's be honest, our r- infrastructure was probably not set up to handle the volumes of cars mm-hmm. that travel yeah. on them. Yeah. So, so city officials are always looking for better ways to do yeah. do things traffic wise, and you'll never have the perfect traffic. No, you never. And I think it's also perspective. I mean, when you have you know friends visiting from other cities, other states, they they think that. Lexington is just so well engineered in terms of road construction. Wow, your traffic is so it's so nice. But for us living here, I think it's yeah. I have to admit, even though I I don't like driving New Circle Road, when I give directions to (laughs) people, I say jump on jump on New Circle Road and go. You know, because it is the quickest way to get around town, and it's the easiest because it's a circle, and eventually you'll you'll get there. (laughs) But yeah, the reversible lanes has been a success, at least in my mind. Now, the next project is the Man of War loop around most of Lexington. You know, Lexington had a tremendous growth spurt and it, after New Circle Road. And, it, you know, it became pretty apparent that New Circle Road would eventually be unable to meet the traffic needs of Lexington, especially around the Richmond Road area and the south and southeast portions of Lexington. And then plans were made and plans I think went back to the to the maybe the nineteen thirties for Man of War if I'm not mistaken in my research. But after New Circle Road was built, plans were made to build another four lane road around Lexington from Versailles Road back to Winchester Road. And Man of War was completed in December of nineteen nineteen eighty eight and of course is named after the great race horse Man of War. You know, Man of War was only beaten one time in in, in his illustrious career, and it was by a horse named Upset. <laughs> and I think that's a great adjective that may describe how many drivers feel when driving the road, you know, yeah. Upset. <laughs> one thing I always keep in mind when I'm driving Man of War, and you get caught up in the traffic and so forth, is I always keep in mind that a lot of the cause of the traffic is all these new subdivisions being built on the other side. Yeah. And flowing into the traffic and I always keep in mind that the library's tax is paid by property <laughs> and uh, that that helps to drive for me show, <laughs> I show a little more patience because of that but you know the, the man of war was considered too narrow too small and too slow too many stoplights big curbs no pull-offs and you know p- complaints began at the start now, the first portion of the road opened in 1975, and it was from Richmond Road to Palumbo Drive. 
and that part of the road only had two lanes. Construction lagged until 1983 when uh, Governor John Y. Brown, his administration provided $18 million for the project, and when completed, the final price tag was almost $50 million with the city providing $10 million of the money and the state the rest. The road was actually, in, like I mentioned, was actually in the city plans as early as the 1930s, and it was going to be called Tiverton Way, which I think we have a, a road yeah. called Tiverton Way or Tiverton Road. But in 1974, it was named Man of War to honor the horse. And another name that was floating around at the time was Adam Rankin Road or Adam Rankin Boulevard. And Adam Rankin, for those who don't know Lexington history, was an early Lexington pioneer. And his house is actually considered the oldest house in in Lexington. But there was talk about naming it after Adam Adam Rankin. But they, they chose Man of War. And the ideal for the road was to tie together the neighborhoods on the south side and provide residents with a quicker, easier access to the interstate. So... And like a lot of things, it may seem cumbersome, but it does have its use. Yes. So, and it's interesting, uh, back when it first opened up, a reporter went ahead and drove the entire route of Man of War. And it, according to his report, it took 25 minutes with 11 stoplights and the speed limit was 50 miles per hour. And then another reporter did another sample run in 2002 and that run took 33 minutes with 33 stoplights at 45 miles per hour and then in 2007 another reporter did a similar run 37 minutes with 38 stoplights and 45 miles per hour so it's getting slower i actually came off the interstate down richmond road the other day and jumped on man of war toward my house on the south end and i was the first couple minutes i was keeping track of well, let's see how long this takes and i can include it on my podcast but it ran <laughs> so smoothly that first you know from richmond road to say takes creek i don't think i hit a red light the whole time well i mean it's like a roulette it's like you, you never know sometimes yeah, yeah. you hit every red light and sometimes it's all green yeah. so. <laughs> and th- this was around 7 30 at night so yeah it, it was running pretty smoothly but you know man of war just like new circle road has served its purpose but it's hard to keep up with the traffic needs of lexington just like any big city Now, here's the next project is my personal favorite, (laughs) and it's the Harrodsburg Road Diamond Crossover. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's my personal favorite. In in August 2011, the double crossover diamond interchange was completed to fix the problem of congestion at the New Circle Road interchange. The new pattern was intended to ease congestion and reduce traffic accidents along the stretch of Harrodsburg Road, which at the time had the highest crash rate of any major thoroughfare in Lexington. It eliminated left turns that required drivers to cross in front of incoming traffic and instead gave drivers access to new circle road via on-ramps from the left lane. The design was to reduce delays and increase the capacity of traffic along Harrodsburg Road between Pasadena and Corporate Drive. And at the time of the project, now Springfield, Missouri had the first, an intersection in Springfield, Missouri had the first double crossover diamond in the United States, and it was built in 2009. And after it was built, there was a 60% decrease in crashes in the first six months. So that's that's a pretty 
interesting. That's a pretty dramatic in- yeah, stat. Change, yeah. And the first crossover was used in France in the 1970s, according to the Federal Highway Administration. Has it worked? Well, I didn't research that part because I, I don't have to. I drive it, you know, three or four times a week, and it works in my mind. And like I said, that's all that matters. <laughs> but it just seems to always flow, and you never it have does. to lay, wait more than one light. It's mm-hmm. easy to get on a new well, road. Well, as someone who's lived in England for a couple of years, it's a heck of a lot better than roundabouts. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually, when it, when it opened up— mm-hmm. I actually went up there. It opened in 2011, I think late 2011. I actually went up there during, because I knew I traveled that road quite a bit. I, I went up there later on in the day or early in the morning, because I always like to get a feel for, you know, traffic, traffic roundabouts or a diamond crossover. You know, you, you want to kind of like know what to do before there's heavy traffic. So I went out there and, and drove it uh, when there wasn't a lot of traffic. I was like, this is a breeze. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just have not. I just think it flows perfectly. Yeah. Uh, it's just my opinion, and actually, other people's opinion too. Because in the summer of 2012, crossover was on Harrisburg Road was recognized for an award for best use of innovation as a small project in America's transportation awards competition. Cool. It did reduce traffic congestion and accidents, and it was the first double diamond crossover in the state. And at the time, was just one of just six in the nation. I don't know how many there are now, but if it works as good as the Harrisburg Road, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's probably more. I think I've read somewhere that there was talk of maybe doing something similar on Nicholsville Road, but I'm not at sure. The inter- at the New Circle? Yeah. I'm not sure if that's feasible, but it's my favorite. I remember driving that stretch of Harrodsburg Road, and it was just so I, slow. I, yeah, I, I don't I don't go that way very often, but if I need to access Harrodsburg, I usually go from Manowar. But yeah, I remember as a new driver, that was such a nightmare to <laughs> to navigate that that intersection right there. You know, those are the bigger projects. There's been some others. Now, the Newtown Pike Extension project, which talk about that went as far back as 1957, which is the year I was born. And, you know, the Newtown Pike Extension was huge and extended Newtown Pike to intersections at South Broadway. And I think the plans were to to South Limestone. And it connected the interstate to UK, basically. And, of course, buildings with all projects like this, buildings and homes had to be demolished to make expansion possible. And I know there was some controversy at the time when this was done. But anyway, the, the expansion enables people who want to go to UK from the interstate to bypass going through town. And it provides a more direct route from the interstate to UK. And at the time it was completed, I think at least the first section of it was completed in 2010, they had a naming contest. Uh, the the uh, newspaper or the city had a naming contest through their website, and I think 168 submitted names were entered, and a committee narrowed the finalists down to five names for this Newtown Pike extension because apparently they couldn't call it Newtown Pike extension or Newtown Pike According to the uh, enhanced 911 regulations, prevented that road from being called the Newtown Pike Extension. Oh, so there's okay. so there's, there's no a reason. Why, and, yeah, okay. there, yeah. So there's a reason why they couldn't name it that. So 
Anyway, they had a contest. The city had a contest. And five finalists were Bolivar Street, Equestrian Boulevard, Mary Todd Lincoln Boulevard, Millennium Road, Oliver Lewis Way. And Oliver Lewis was a jockey of the first Kentucky Derby winner in 1875. And the person who entered that name, I think, is a woman by the name of Julie Galbraith put in that name, and it won. So it's called Oliver Lewis Way. And when the extension first opened in September of uh, 2010, the first phase of it was complete, and that was a four-lane boulevard with bike lanes that runs from West Main Street, where Newtown Pike had ended, over to Versailles Road. And then the second phase was to take the extension to Broadway. And to be quite honest, I don't even know if the third phase is complete yet or not. Uh, yeah, uh, no. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's almost almost. Yeah. I probably need to look that up, but anyway, Newtown Pike extension was was a big event. And the one that probably has gotten more press over the last gosh 50 plus years and I just thought to myself, well, the 20 20th anniversary of the expansion is coming up in 2003 and I said, well, it's another ideal for a podcast, so I'll save <laughs> I'll save it for a podcast here in a couple of years, but, the, you know, Paris Pike, yeah. the expansion of Paris Pike. From 1966 on, there was a big battle between the preservationists and the safety advocates about how, whether to expand the road, how to expand it, and plus keep the farms and keep the all the stone walls and so forth. So there's, there's a lot of debate and uh, negotiation and so forth. And finally, in 2003, the expansion was complete. And uh, even though it's not totally in Lexington, I, it's a road that takes people from Lexington to Paris. And I got to tell you, you know, of all the roads, you know, I have my favorite roads and I have my least favorites. And, and the road that probably intimidated me the most was Paris Pike. Really? Because, you know, you grow up and you read all these stories about the fatalities and and all that. And, you know, I've had to drive it a few times before the expansion and I made it a point because a lot of the accidents on Paris Pike had to deal with people going past cars, speeding, overcorrecting, and there's not a lot of room for mistakes on Paris Pike. Yeah, it's a very narrow, it was a very narrow. Yeah, when you're going at high speed. And so I always made a point to go slow within the speed limit. And I never... I remember one time I was going to a softball tournament in Paris or Cynthiana or somewhere, and I said to myself, no matter what, I'm not passing one car. I don't <laughs> care how slow they're going because, you know, I remembered all the reports. And yeah. and so, anyway, that road was really intimidating t- for me, and I've driven the road since with the expansion. It, it's a lot more comfortable to drive. We actually have a book. I actually brought it into the podcast. We have a book in the Kentucky Room, our great Kentucky Room, <laughs> called The Paris Lexton Road Community-Based Planning and Context-Sensitive Highway Design. And it basically goes, it was written in 2003, and it basically goes into how the project came about. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a book that's located in the Kentucky Room, so if anybody's interested. But those those are the big projects, and I'm sure there's probably others. People have their favorites, and but uh, those are the ones that, in my lifetime, c- come across as, yeah. as the bigger ones. Well, it's a lot of change, a lot of change to Lexington. And a few trivia notes to dealing with traffic and pedestrian traffic here in Lexington that uh, I've run across over the years is, you know, in January 1941, 
before that, traffic lights weren't in operation 24-7 like they are, they are now. That Prior to that, during the night hours, the regular stop-and-go lights were turned off. Oh. Yeah. And I, I never knew that. But never Jan- knew that either. Yeah, in January wow. 41, I guess the statute of limitations has passed. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do a lot of work in the morning times, delivering papers and so forth, and I was known to not wait for a red light to change. But I will say this, I always came to a complete stop. Nobody's within two miles, and I'm like, okay, let's Let's go. So anyway, yeah, I'm a safe driver. I've I've never had a uh, knock on wood here. (laughs) Knock on wood here. I've driven for 46 years, and... Never had an accident that was my fault. I've had a couple people sideswipe me, but yeah. I've I'm I'm a very careful driver, even though admit to some taking leniency <laughs> with some stuff. <laughs> uh, and another trivia note: in December of 1963, the walk and don't walk pedestrian lights mm-hmm. began operating yeah. on Main Street in in Lexington and. According to this newspaper report, after a week grace period, officers began issuing tickets to pedestrians <laughs> not heating lights. Now, if they ever want to uh, increase the city budget tremendously, they could go back to issuing tickets to pedestrians not heating those lights. <laughs> yeah, the court system would be would be way. Yeah. No. And 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 another uh, thing I wanted to mention. Uh, you, you guys are too young to remember this, but I remember the bad snows of the winters of 1977 and 1978. And our snow removal was not quite as good back yeah. then as it is now. And it was, I'm, I mean, it was terrible, the snow removal back then. And now you get them clear just like that for the most part, especially the main roads. But the Streets were hard to drive during those winters because of the problem with the snow removal. And they have a lot more salt on hand now. And and the potholes back in those days were just I'm unbelievable. Sure. I'm sure, yeah. Really the technology's to, changed. And yeah, improved, you really so. had to mention yourself. And we talked about the moon landing earlier and, and about New Circle Road. And, and those potholes that you had to navigate, you know, you can compare them to the moon craters <laughs> that Armstrong and Aldrin had to contend with. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit to get my point across, but potholes were a major problem for election drivers back in the day. But they're they're doing a much better job. I don't know if it's the type of salt they're using. They're filling the, the hose up quicker, uh, but they were they were something you really had to watch out for. And I think that also the mixture of the asphalt that they're using yeah. is probably a little, yeah, but it's, a, it's a bit different. Yeah, it's it's much m- more able to withstand the constriction and the, exp- the expansion yeah it's much it's much better but and i'll just end the podcast by giving this advice to anybody listening that's just learning to drive or even you know or probably listening to this on their drive home I, from work or to work <laughs> i give one piece of advice to, to uh, kids that are first starting to drive i tell them don't assume that if you have the green light that the folks with the red light are stopping. Nope. And I can't tell you the number of times over the years that I hesitate once I have the green light and make sure every, all the traffic is stopped. I've saved myself a few T-bone accidents that way. And especially now with cell phones and mm-hmm. those things, people's attention span is is not maybe not as good. Yeah. But anyway, that's 
that's that's it. That is a good that, piece of advice yeah. to end on. <laughs> and yes. hopefully all, all new drivers are listening. Thank you so much, oh. Wayne. It's a very informative and interesting piece of Lexington history. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm, or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at lexpublib.org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane.